Welcome to Work It, a show about work. This is a work of satire containing mature themes. Pour le service en français, appuyez sur le 1. For writer and performer Sam Alamang, please press 2. For writer and performer Janet Mowat, please press 3. For a measured and insightful discussion of this option is unavailable. For yet another very special episode of Work It, in keeping with our summer of experimentation, please stay on the line. Whoa, hold the music. Stop everything. Exciting news, listeners. Work It is pleased to present our brand new business audiobook. Work It's Guide to Succeeding in Business. Colon, Winning at Work the Sam and Janet Way. Asterisk, a soon-to-be bestseller. Superscript, and Tony Award-winning musical. After reading this book, you'll never need or want to read another book again. It's that good. So sit back and learn how to succeed from two grad school dropouts with literally several dollars in our bank accounts. You'll be glad you did. Acknowledgements. Sam and I have a lot of people to thank. Unfortunately, there's no way we'll be able to get to everyone. In fact, most of the people expecting thanks will be disappointed. Some of you probably expecting thanks include our parents for always believing in us. Our domestic partners for their endless patience with this folly of ours. Our overlords of the totally not made up Wijimedia for being a handy metonym for capitalism in so many of our scenes. And you, our loyal listeners, for sticking with us through thick and thin. And clip shows. We're sorry for failing to include any of you in these acknowledgements. Instead, Janet and I would like to thank the one person without whom this audiobook wouldn't have been possible. Our ghostwriter, Andrew. We'd like to thank Andrew for accepting so little money for this gig. Andrew would like to thank his parents for always believing in him. He would also like to thank us. We assume. For giving him this chance to toil in obscurity. Now sit back and enjoy the rest of our audiobook. Sam and I are really proud of it. We think. We haven't read it yet. Eh, I skimmed some reviews. It sounds okay. Chapter 3. Making Your First Million People often say that the first million is the hardest. Follow Workit's advice and you'll get yours in no time. You ready? Let's do this. 60, 80, 100. There you are, Mrs. Henderson. Thank you, Sonny. We're always here to help at Friendly's Neighborhood Bank. Everybody on the floor, now! This is a stick-up, so don't nobody move or we'll paint the walls with your brains! Oh my! Ah! An old lady! Mrs. Henderson! Now put a million dollars in the sack! We have a business book to write! Okay, here you go. Let's roll! I think we lost him. All right, were you taking notes? Notes? For a chapter on making your first million. Oh, right. <sighs> Grab your shotgun and your notepad. All right, jeez. Nag, nag, nag. Interactive exercise. Are you a high-powered exec with no time for a significant other? We've got you covered. Here's a fun tool to help you manage your busy life, minus a life partner to keep you on track. These are Workit's daily checklists for the single exec. Tick these boxes and get your life in order. Getting ready for work. One. Brush your teeth. Two. Comb your hair. Three. Eat a healthy breakfast. 
Four. I said a healthy breakfast. Five. Oh, so the box says fudgy carb nuggets are actually good for you? My mistake. Six. Drink coffee. Seven. Wash your dishes. Eight. Rinsing them out doesn't count. Nine. Oh my god, have you even used dish soap before? Ten. Choose an outfit. Eleven. Really? That shirt? Twelve. No, I'm not saying you look ugly. I'm saying the shirt looks ugly. Thirteen. Whatever, there's no time for this. You gotta go. Fourteen. Don't forget your wallet. Fifteen. No, I don't know where your keys are. Where did you last see them? Sixteen. Oh my god, they were on your head this whole time. Seventeen. Okay, have a good day. Remember you're going to the dentist after work. Wow, what a useful list. Who needs a significant other anyway? Well, folks, in just a little bit, we'll have another great checklist for the single exec. Behind the scenes. Sam, have you seen our book advance lying around? Did I see it? Let me think. I think I saw it here somewhere. Yeah, it's got to be here somewhere. Sam, be honest with me. Did you blow our advance? Emphasis on the word blow. I don't know what you're talking about. Hey, we should totally go on a world tour. You and me. Oh man, it's going to be awesome. Well, fine. Give it here. If it works for Fleetwood Mac, maybe it'll work for us. Rhiannon runs into town with a knife and screams at all the children. That's not how it goes. How what goes? Chapter 9. A Guide to Business Psychology As we all know, if you want to become a successful business leader, you need to consider the psychological effects of your leadership style. If you're an empathetic, flexible, hands-off leader, your underlings will feel relaxed and happy as they go about their work. And we don't want that, do we? Let us introduce you to Work It's Revolutionary Leadership Model, Sociopathic Psychological Leadership of Real People, or SPLORP for short. When you use the SPLORP method, you will cultivate four key attitudes within your office. Fear, blame, compliance, and deference. Through the power of SPLORP, you'll crush the ambitions of those upstart do-gooders who have their eye on your job. Let's take a closer look, starting with the first key attitude, fear. For a healthy sense of fear in your employees, you need to create an environment where no one can admit their mistakes. Demand that your workers maintain the illusion of perfection at all times. Here's a scenario to help illustrate what we mean. Alright everyone, gather around. Patrick here has something he'd like to say. I thought I told you that in confidence. Patrick, we're a team here. Uh, okay. Team, I know we thought we'd met our targets for this quarter, but it turns out I entered some of the data incorrectly. Oh. And what's gonna happen now, Patrick? Well, we're a team, right? Maybe we can put our heads together and we'll get- Wrong! Into the pit! And just like that, you'll never have to deal with another employee admitting a mistake ever again. Along with fear, the Splort method will have you creating a culture of blame in your office. When employees can't own up to their mistakes, it naturally follows that they'll shift responsibility to others. Let's revisit that scenario and see how our hapless Patrick can handle it better. Uh, team, I know we thought we'd met our targets for this quarter, but it turns out I entered some of the data incorrectly. Into the pit! Oh, uh, did I say I entered the data incorrectly? I meant, uh, Nancy did. What? I've never handled those numbers in my- Into the pit, Nancy! Ah! 
see, your team is learning and adapting already. So much for fear and blame, the third pillar of the splort method is compliance. As we all know, things get messy when your underlings try to share unwelcome opinions. As a leader, you should be able to look at your team and think, no one here has a single thought of their own. Here's a scenario that shows you how you can make compliance part of your team. Alright everyone, first item on the agenda is how to meet our quarterly targets. You're already working soul-crushing overtime, but I say, work harder. Thoughts? Uh, well, studies have shown that workers' productivity actually decreases once they're putting Wrong. in a certain Wrong! Into number. the lion cage! <laughs> Yet again, when you employ the splurp method, you'll find that employees will quickly learn to keep their unwanted opinions to themselves. Of course, sometimes employees insist on expressing opinions. In developing the splurp method, we thought, if you can't fight it, use it to your advantage. And that's where we came up with the fourth pillar of splurp. Deference. If an employee has to have an opinion, let's make sure it's exactly the same as yours. Let's go back to our meeting scenario and see how that works. You're already working soul-crushing overtime, but I say work harder. Thoughts? I think you're right, boss. I also hold that opinion. Me too. Great. As a team, we've decided... Oh, Mr. Goodman. Folks, you all know Mr. Goodman, our CEO. Shut up, Murdoch! Your numbers are terrible! But I... It's not my fault, Mr. Goodman! It's the team's fault! I've been trying to stop them! Cut the crap, Murdoch! Into the lion cage! And best of all, the Splurp method will help you cultivate new leaders. You! You're Patrick, right? Yeah, yes sir. You look fearful and compliant. I like that! You're the new manager! Gosh! In conclusion, work at Splurp method is the most psychologically sound leadership method out there. And they all lived happily ever after. The end. Infographics. No business book would be complete without a series of helpful diagrams. Our book is no exception. So listeners, please enjoy the following infographics. Hey Janet. What's that Sam? It's just occurring to me now that infographics are inherently visual. And our radio program is inherently... not visual. You see my concern. Oh. Oh no. Well, listeners, tell you what. Uh, Sam and I are going to describe the infographics, and you can kind of picture them in your mind's eye. Or you know what? Maybe you better follow along and try to sketch them out. Yeah, some of them are a bit... Complex. Let's go with that. So this first one is basically a normal pie chart, but reversed. It's like all the pieces are projecting out from the center, or maybe they're pointing to the center. Does that make sense? You're doing great. So each piece of the pie chart is red, except for one, which is filled with green computer code, like the matrix. And that one's labeled exports. So, um, do some exports, I guess. Let's try the next one. Okay. Uh, this one is a pretty straight bar chart showing a very steady increase, starting with one unit, then two, and three, but ending with two columns of eight units apiece. Now just past the bar chart, there's a flagpole, and if you jump and hit the top of it, you get 5,000 points. And up here, this little guy's Super Mario. Uh, oh, hang on. I think this might just be from Nintendo Power. Yeah, except the x-axis is labeled Profit, and the y-axis is labeled Bowser. I'm not sure what that means. Something about expenses? Let's take a break. My head hurts. 
What did we pay for these things? They weren't cheap, but it was all student fee money lying around CFMU, so who cares? Ah, oh, phew. Interactive exercise. For all our unattached, high-powered execs out there, we've got another checklist to keep you on track. Because who has time for emotional labor on your busy schedule? Office social functions. One. Arrive fashionably late so you don't have to make awkward chit-chat with whoever else gets there first. Two. Open bar first, then the food table. Three. Beer? No. You're getting a gin and soda. Four. Remember to tip the bartender. Five. Oh, hey, it's that person who used to be on your team, remember? Oh, what's their name? Six. What do you mean you don't remember their name? You worked together for six years. Seven. Oh, come on, it started with a J, right? Jess or something? Eight. Well, that was embarrassing. Nine. Another drink? How many is that? Ten. No, you're absolutely not making a speech. Eleven. Please, please, please don't make a speech. Twelve. Oh no. Thirteen. You genuinely thought they liked your speech? That was the most awkward applause I've ever heard. Fourteen. You're sleeping on the couch tonight. Did you take all those boxes? Then you must have had an exceptionally successful evening. In our sequel book, watch for a checklist that will be passive-aggressive at you during the subsequent hangover. We've got one more checklist coming for you in just a little bit. Behind the scenes. Janet, I really need this to be a bestseller. Or rather, my bookie really needs this to be a bestseller. Okay, well, why don't we look at some of the other bestsellers and maybe we can learn from those. Those Joe Nesbo Scandi thrillers are popular. Sam, we're writing a business book. I know, I know, but like, maybe it could just open with a brutal murder is all. And then we use business principles to solve the murder? Perfect. What about those Sophie Kinsella books? Diary of a Shopaholic or whatever. Maybe the murder weapon is a really fancy Prada handbag. What about crosswords? My mom is always buying crossword books. So maybe each business tip is in the form of a crossword clue? Okay, like it could say, make haste to the monastery, but not in reverse, 10 letters. And the answer would be PowerPoint, exactly. Remember those Uncle John's bathroom readers? I do. Okay, so the whole book takes place in the toilet. Two questions. One, what do we have so far? Two, were Uncle John and Dr. John friends? Okay, our business book is a brutal murder mystery involving expensive handbags where you do crossword clues to gain business advice that solves the mystery while sitting in the bathroom. Fine, fine. But what about the other question, the really important one? I bet they were friends. Aw, that's sweet. Chapter 15. Investments. Understanding investment will be essential to maintain your purchasing power against inflation. And though I myself offered to research and write this chapter, Sam assured me he would take care of it. I believe his exact words were, Don't worry your pretty, well, not pretty, but okay, little head about it. So, what do you think? What do you mean, what do I think? We're supposed to share your investment wisdom. Notice anything? different about me? Hang on, what is that you're wearing? It looks like- That's right, Janet. These are just some of my brand new liturgical garments. 
also referred to as... A vestment is a chasuble or other robe worn by the clergy or choristers during services. And I, as you can plainly see, am in them. So this is the pun you're going with, huh? This is a new low, even for you. With investment like mine, now we just sit and wait for the cast to roll in. Right? How much did you spend on your investment? I owe a lot of people a lot of money, Janet. You gotta help me. Infographics. Okay, so earlier we were trying to do audio infographics with uh, limited success, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, that's fair. Well, not to fear, listeners, because Sam and I put our heads together and we're 99% sure we can explain these next ones better. It took a lot of time and a bunch more student fees, but we figured them out. Okay, this next infographic has a meat grinder, and going into the top of it are Captain Crunch, Walter Mondale, Geraldine Ferraro, and Captain Crunch again. Okay, and coming out the other end are six piles of doubloons, four piles of florins, and one box of Captain Crunch oops all berries. So what we think this represents is the importance of diversifying your product offerings? But at the same time, focusing on your core demographic? Great, so that's that one. This next infographic is basically a scatter plot, except at the left-hand side is a profile photo of Jamie Farr from MASH. Right, so it's set up to look like the scatter plot is coming out of Jamie Farr's nose. But then beneath the chart, it says lead generation, and running up the side, it says customer journey. And in the legend, it says evaluate results with the hot lips theorem. So we figured this represents the funnel taking customers from curious to conversion. Sam... I'm growing concerned that our book may be awful. There's only one way out, like that line in the theme from M.A.S.H. Surely you don't mean this one. Suicide is painless. What? No, this one. No, no, it never fails once they're involved. Somehow whatever's wrong gets solved. See, we just need Chip and Dale. When they're involved, everything's solved. Chip and Dale? I didn't know they fought in the Korean War. Yeah, well, you're not too bright. Writer's block. I don't know, maybe a car chase? Why would our business book have a car chase? Well, I don't hear you coming up with any ideas about what to write next. No good writer's block. I know. Let's get some help from one of the most prolific authors of all time. Surely you don't mean... Yeah. Do I have Stephen King on the line? Exactly right. Hi, Mr. King. It's Work It Calling. You know, the campus radio show with a dozen or so listeners. Will you help us write our business book? Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. We want a section comparing two different teams, but it's missing something. The good team goes over a cliff and all the members of the good team are killed, and they come back from the dead on the eve of the World Series and end up playing baseball. I guess that could work. We also need some motivational topics to write about. Any ideas? Alcoholism and the disintegration of the nuclear family. Right. What happens when we finally realize that our technology has outraced our morality? Uh-huh greed in the 80s and how funny greed really is when you get right down to it. Okay, that's probably enough motivation for our readers. I guess the last thing we need is a good story about succeeding in business. 
Thoughts? The story about an accountant from Queens who uh, goes to the bathroom one night and this finger pokes out of the bathroom drain. Maybe this wasn't such a great idea after all. Uh, thanks, Stephen. Can we have our people call you if anything else comes up? They can call me anything that they want as long as they don't call me late to dinner. Okay, hang up on this goof. So, car chase? Chapter 64, How to Be Decisive. Janet and I scoured countless shitty business blogs researching this chapter. We've narrowed down the two most common pieces of advice for becoming more decisive in business. That's right, Janet. In a sea of meaningless tips and tricks, underpaid internet freelancers all agree on these two secrets to decisive leadership. They are, number one, go with your gut. And number two, every decision is the correct decision. These might not sound all that intuitive. After all, is it really a good idea to follow your instincts rather than working to understand the root of the problem first? But the bloggers don't lie. Good leaders should be able to make big decisions almost instantaneously. I'm convinced. Similarly, it seems a bit strange to say every decision is the right decision. I mean, what if your decision has negative consequences? But guess what? According to the blogs we read, those decisions still count as good because at least you've learned something or, I don't know, some shit like that. That's logical. Let's take a look at some case studies to really understand how this works. Meet Jim. Hiya! Jim manages a small but hardworking team at a call center. We're gonna give Jim a challenge. Here's Jim's staff member Peggy coming to him with a problem. Jim, our team's sales are abysmally low. Do you have any guidance on how we can bring our numbers up? Okay, Jim, time to be decisive. What does your gut tell you? Uh, uh, fudge the numbers! Are you sure? I mean, that's really unethical. Oh, uh... Don't look back, Jim. Remember, every decision is the correct decision. Yes, damn it, we're gonna fudge the numbers! Great job. Just like that, Jim's team will smash their previous records. Let's fast forward a bit and watch Jim practice his decisive leadership some more. Jim! The auditors are here and they want to see our doctored records! The jig is up! What do we do now? Uh-oh. Remember to go with your instincts, Jim. Okay, uh, let's bribe them. Isn't that corrupt? Oh, I don't know. Remember that every decision is a good decision. Peggy, bribe those auditors. It worked. Through the power of decisiveness, Jim has lied and cheated his way into success. Let's check in on Jim one more time, a little bit in the future. Thanks to decisiveness, he's now rich and powerful, and the press can't get enough of him. Jim! Despite being transparently corrupt and awful, you're also very successful, so we all admire you. What's next for you? Oh, jeez. Uh... Remember, Jim, just go with the first thing that pops into your head. I'm gonna... run for... office? But you have literally no qualifications. Oh, yeah. Stay firm, Jim. No wrong decisions, remember? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna run for office. It's gonna be really great for everyone involved. So excited. I've made a terrible mistake. There you go, folks. How to decide your way into power and success. Nothing bad will ever come of this. Interactive exercise. Remember our fun tool for single execs? Super useful, right? 
Here's one more checklist to keep you on top of those neglected parts of your life. Ready? Taking time off. One. Take a long weekend and book a peaceful getaway outside the city. Two. Don't forget your toothbrush. Three. Don't forget your bathing suit. Four. Hurry up, you don't want to get caught in traffic on your way out. Five. Hit the road. Six. Did you remember the cooler? Seven. Hit the road for real this time. Eight. Well, if you'd packed earlier, you wouldn't be caught in all this traffic now, would you? Nine. At last, the great outdoors. Time to relax and, hey, put your phone away. Ten. Seriously? You scheduled a conference call from Cottage Country? Eleven. That's it? I've had it. I'm leaving. Twelve. Yes, I know I'm just a checklist. That's not the point. Thirteen. The point is, you're hopeless, and I'm out. Fourteen. Have a nice life. Fifteen. Listen, the traffic report is pretty grim. You'd better start heading back to the city a bit early. Oh, you're on it? Cool, cool, cool. Behind the Scenes Well, Sam, with our business book just about done, we should start planning our book tour. Janet, I couldn't agree more. New York is a must. Chicago would be great. Toronto, obviously. That's one approach. But I was thinking, instead of hitting up major metropolitan areas with large reader bases to promote our book... Which seems like a no-brainer. What if we took our book tour to the world's leading strip clubs? Say what now? Yeah, it'll be fun. We can go to all of them. I don't think so. Aw, come on, Janet. Scores in Darling Cabaret, Jumbo's Clown Room in LA, Hamilton Strip, of course, Super Sex Look Crazy Horse. Get yourself an ample chub at Larry Flint's Hustler Club. Not on your life, creepazoid. Oh, typical. You probably want us to think with our wallets and not our crotches. Money isn't everything, Janet. I agree. So if we're going to be completely carefree about, you know, actually selling books on our book tour, I prefer to go back to my beloved English countryside. I'm not convinced. Do you have a little song about it? I'll give it a shot. From Dover Castle to Samphire Ho, White Cliffs Country's where I want to go. That sucks. Let's take these books and throw them at kids. Chapter 87. Lessons Learned. Chapter 87. Awesome. Uh, you wrote this one, right? No, this one was yours. Don't tell me you didn't prepare. No, I've got it here, uh, somewhere. Uh, one second. Unbelievable. Silly me, I left it in the little library down the street. Now then, uh, chapter 87 is on, er... Lessons learned. Right, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Let me just flip open to my, uh, chapter here. <clears throat> now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. Sam. And a certain man of... Sam. Bethlehem Judah went to Sam. sojourn in the country of Moab. Sam! Jeez, Janet, I was just getting to the good part. The part about the lessons learned. Sam, that's the Bible, isn't it? The what hole? I have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, really. No, that's the Bible, and you know it. Don't lie to me, young man. Yes, ma'am. Now, I'm going to hazard a guess. I'm going to guess that instead of writing your chapter, you were playing your stupid cowboy video game, weren't you? Mm, it shouldn't be a survivalist mount. 
Speak up so the people can hear you. I was completing the survivalist challenge. That's no excuse. But I guess we don't have much choice. Uh, skip to the end of that part. Maybe it'll work. Yes, ma'am. Let's see here. And they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. And what lessons have we learned? Horsey game rules, Bible drools. Great job, Sam. Truly unbelievable. Now then, where's my horsey at? Epilogue, 10 years later. Well, Sam, we had a nice run, didn't we? Hey, a nice bum? Where? Fame, money, power. You had that stint in prison. I tell you, I thought that cement truck I emptied onto a crowd of Nazis was actually full of milkshakes. So it appears that future Sam and Janet, being ten whole years older, have forgotten what they were supposed to talk about. Hey, who is that? God, have you come to take me at last? Mercy! It sounds like an omniscient narrator! They were supposed to remind you, our loyal audience, to find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at at WorkItPod. I'm ready, Lord. Here I come, Yaramir Yager. He's not dead yet, you nincompoop. Timu, I want to meet Timu. Hey, don't you know there's a place where you can always go for news and updates on CFMU and Hamilton too. 933 CFMU on Twitter. 93 CFMU on Twitter. Follow us for more news on the shows and events you love.